presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Eli. Thank you, girls. Aren't they awesome? It's completely unbiased opinion now. <laughs> Can we just pray one more time just uh, as we come to um, God's word for this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are real, you are here, and you are speaking to us today. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, minds to understand. Lord, I pray that we would just be tuned in to your spirit this morning. That what we hear would be not my words, but yours. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, most of you who are here today, as Kerry shared before, I haven't been preaching much lately. Some of you have been newer to the church in the last year, and it probably just seems normal, because uh, you're not really used to that anyway, so that's okay. But uh, probably most of you have been around a little bit longer. And I just wanted to, I guess, start today by saying, like, thank you for your patience, thank you for your encouragement for me and for Kerry and for us as a church. Um, and, and as we've been looking at how do we readjust and reevaluate and how do we continue to do this church in a, in a, a way that's sustainable in the long term. And um, I, I think in many ways, church may never look exactly like it did a couple of years ago for us but I'm believing that God has an even better plan and that as we go from strength to strength and and as we trust him and follow him that things will 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 grow into ways that they they probably weren't able to before but I want to share with you today something that I feel like God has been showing me and teaching me and over this period and there's been lots of those things but I'm just going to cover one today but but a lot of you know this has been a tough year for us as a family for more than just the 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 things that I've been going through in in May most of you would be aware I we lost my dad who went to be with Jesus which is amazing for him but we we miss him I've been wrestling with some of those things and uh, along with some of the anxiety and depression and some of the mental health stuff that comes with burnout and I've we've sort of shared a little bit of some of that stuff with you. We've had Kerry's dad who was diagnosed with cancer and all the, the things that have kind of come with that, the stresses on family. Um, most of you, like, then in the middle of all of that, trying to deal with all of that, I get rushed into hospital with appendicitis and surgery and, and it was a pretty sort of rough couple of months of recovery. It didn't all go smoothly after that. You know, and, and just to top it off, we deal with, you know, kids being away from home and another one wanting to leave and dealing with all of that stuff and the, the terrible burden that they are. No, no I'm kidding. No. Just, just like adjusting to a new phase of life as parents uh, and as a mum and a dad and, you know, we, 
we don't want to hold them back, but at the same time, changes always brings a degree of stress. <laughs> we wish that letting them go didn't mean so far away, but I guess it's only Adelaide, so it's not so bad. And, and I, I think, like I know that we've had a, a, a rough year. One of my friends described it as our Annus Horribilis, as Her Majesty coined the phrase a few years ago. It means horrible year. Yeah if you don't speak Latin. <laughs> it, it was a very famous quote from the Queen a few years ago. I think, well, probably more than a few years ago. I think it might have been the year that Diana died. <laughs> you know, back, you know, just the other day. No. Annus Horribilis. So Annus is in annual and Horribilis is in horrible. But, but often, like, we, we've all had years that are tough, right? We've all had years that are, or times that are difficult. We've, I'm sure that we can all look at circumstances when we've just struggled with work or we've struggled with health or we've experienced grief or we've experienced loss. And, and one of the things for me as a, as a Christian and as a pastor that makes me really sad is when people experience this stuff and then go, well, God must not be with me or God must not be real or God must not exist or this wouldn't have happened. And they kind of walk away from their faith and walk away from Jesus. Often there's this kind of... I think it's natural for us to cry out to God and say, you know, God, where are you in all of this? But one of the things that I've discovered and I think... Scripture teaches that one of the things that has sustained me so much through life is that whatever I go through, it's better with Jesus. Whatever difficult circumstances I'm going through, I'm so much better off. And I see this worked out in, in people's lives. The ones who, who, who hang in there with Jesus, even when it doesn't make sense, have so much more peace, have... Uh, this amazing ability to find joy even in the midst of grief and and just they, they, they there's healing that comes from Jesus now it's not instant it's not magical but one of the things that I, I think that sometimes people struggle with is is if we have this um, what's the uh, illusion that walking with Jesus means that everything is going to be smooth then we'll end up disillusioned. <laughs> we'll end up disappointed. And, and Jesus was quite open about this, wasn't he? When we read the words of Jesus and what he said to his disciples, he, he never promised that things would be easy, did he? he? He did promise that he would be with us. And Jesus did promise that if we are joined with him, then ultimately we'll overcome because he has already overcome. Here in Matthew 28, this is some of Jesus' last words to his disciples and probably familiar words to many of us. He says, uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. He says, be sure of this, have no doubt about this, be confident, be certain that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is John 16, 33. It says, but the time is coming, and indeed it's here now when you will be scattered. Each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. 
I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. What a great encouraging promise that is, huh? Talk about the promises of God. There's not one that comes up very often in the, uh, the, Christmas, uh, in the, the promises calendar list, is it? It says, here on earth you will have trials, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus promises that he will be with us always. Now we know that he's not here physically, right? But Jesus is still with us and he keeps this promise in two ways. One, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that when he ascended to heaven that he would send the Holy Spirit to be our our teacher and our comforter, our, our power and our strength. And so Jesus speaks to us still today and is with us and brings that comfort, brings that joy, brings that peace through the Holy Spirit. But the second way that Jesus is still with us is through his body. That's you and me. That's the church. Jesus is present in his body, isn't he? And so we have that opportunity as followers of Jesus, as carriers of his spirit, as sons and daughters of God, to be Jesus to one another, to be present with one another through whatever things uh, each one is going through. The church is is not an accident. It's not just like-minded people who decided to form a club. The church is God's idea for encouraging us. It's designed by God. It's it's not perfect yet because we're not perfect, but the the design is perfect, if you like. <laughs> we just got to figure out how to get it better at outworking God's perfect design. But no matter how flawed it may be at times, church is great for encouraging us, helping us to grow in our relationship with Jesus, for... Um, for enabling Jesus to be present with us in moments of difficulty, in moments of grief and sorrow. How often is it that it's our church brothers and sisters that come alongside us and say, hey, we're here for you. If you need anything, you know, we we grieve with you, we rejoice with you, we stand together, we pray for one another, we encourage one another. Jesus is with us directly through his spirit, but he's also with us through each other, through his church. But often in life, we're faced with different kinds of decisions and often when we face challenges and hard circumstances, there's often a a temptation to want to kind of escape from some of that stuff, isn't there? To avoid difficult circumstances. And we're often faced with decisions. You know, following Jesus means we're, we're trying to go where he wants us to go. We're trying to do what he wants us to do. And we often are faced with choices. We kind of often have a a fork in the road, diverging paths that we can take before us, don't we? And and there's this thing inside of us that says that just naturally we're we're human and we kind of go, well, we look at these paths ahead and we go, well, which one is going to lead to success? Which choice is going to lead to things going well for me and working out right? Which path is going to lead to financial security? Which path is going to lead to happiness? And we ask God to help us and guide us and make the right choice. But I think if I'm honest and I think if we're honest with ourselves, what we're often really praying for is that God would show us the path that leads to the thing that we want. 
that God would show us the path that leads to the outcome that we actually really desire. The job, the boyfriend, the girlfriends, the, uh, the house, the car, the whatever it might be. We want the choice that kind of leads to things working out nicely, don't we? Often, I think when we're following Jesus, far too often I feel like at times, the road that he calls us down is the one that's actually filled with sacrifice. The road that's actually dotted with pain, with suffering, with difficulty, with obstacles, with abandonment, with criticism. You know, kind of a bit like the path that Jesus walked when he was on earth. And it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? If, if that's the path that Jesus walked and we're following Jesus, that we might encounter some of the things that Jesus encountered. Does that seem logical? Yeah, kind of does, doesn't it? I think Jesus uh, intimated at this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he was talking to these people that were, you know, the, the crowds and, you know, wanting to be his disciples and his followers. And he says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The cross is a symbol of death. The cross is a symbol of sacrifice. The cross is a, a picture of dying to our own desires and saying, I, I, I put to death all of the things that I wanted for myself in order to follow Jesus wherever he leads. I don't know about you, but that kind of statement, when Jesus makes that kind of statement, kind of makes it sound like following Jesus might not be that easy. Following Jesus might require some pain, might require some sacrifice. Like Jesus was warning us or, or ahead of time, preparing us for the fact that being a Christian isn't always going to be smooth sailing, it isn't always going to be easy. But following Jesus means we have to walk the path. There aren't any shortcuts. You can't just stick a GPS tracker on him and find a different way around to get to the same goal. I have a, an app on my phone, uh, well I have my phone connected to my kids' phones and I use the find my phone thing and I can, I can tell where they are and it's not creepy stalker thing because they know it, <laughs> they know I have it and it's okay, you know like when Hannah's coming down from Adelaide for a visit I can see how far away she is to make sure I'm there to pick her up on time, uh, if, she, if her phone goes flat or she forgets to message me I still know where she is uh, or if they get lost when they're walking out bush sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but there is only one way to get to the place that Jesus wants us to get to there's no kind of being able to sort of short circuit or go a different path to get to the same destination uh, during the week I, I was playing with a little bit of um, who's ever done any artificial intelligence art creation, art generation any, anyone done any, Matthew has, yep yeah, awesome. I was playing, this is the first time I'd kind of played with this. I downloaded an app on my phone and you type in what kind of picture you want and then it like produces a picture for you. It was really cool. So I, I was kind of trying to come up with some pictures of uh, different paths that we might see in our lives. So that, that was just me having a little bit of fun. But um, 
how many times do we kind of look at the road ahead? You know, when, when Jesus says, let's go down this life road together, this is the kind of path that we'd really like, isn't it? We go, yep, I'll walk down that path with you, Jesus. No worries, that looks awesome. There, there's like shade and there's nice little spots to stop and have a picnic and it looks cruisy and, you know, there's, it looks fairly flat so we should be okay. But sometimes the path Jesus calls us to walk looks a little bit more like this, doesn't it? And we hesitate and we say, are you sure? What about, what about all these you know, signs and all these people over here saying, no, 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 this path's dangerous, don't go down this path, this is the wrong path. What about the steep edges? Like, I could fall down there, Jesus. It looks dangerous. Plus, that's a, that's a lot of steps. That, that's a lot of steps. <laughs> Who's ever been to Alligator Gorge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going down is easy, isn't it? Coming back up, that's the hard bit. That's a lot of steps. You know, and we go, well, Jesus, what about this path? This path looks much nicer. You know, the, the sun is shining, it's nice and flat. I reckon I could manage that path. And you say, oh, well, I didn't pack any food and water for this, this trek into the mountain, Jesus. This, this other road has a, has a Macca's every 5K, so we should be right. <laughs> But Jesus just kind of, he, he smiles at us in this, the course of this, this is what I imagine happens. Jesus smiles at us and says, you don't have to worry about all that stuff, I've got you. I'll provide, I've got everything you need for this journey. It's going to be okay. Just trust me, let me lead, let me walk. Yes, it looks hard, but I'll be with you. I, I always love, Moses is one of my heroes because he's, we, we see so many of his flaws, you know, and I love that he wrote so much of that stuff about himself, uh, <laughs> which I think is great. But one of, the, one of the passages that always inspires me in the story of Moses, and I haven't got it on the screen, but you, you might remember it. Basically, the story is the, the Israelites, they've, they've, Moses went up the mountain, the Ten Commandments, the Israelites, they got tired of waiting, it has been like a month, He'd been up on the top of this mountain, there was thunder and lightning, they're like, oh, something's happened to Moses. And they're like, let's make a God to guide us through the desert. And so they make the, the golden calf thing and, and, and God kind of gets understandably a little bit frustrated and mad and he's like, Moses, you go and take these people. I've made this amazing promised land, you know, it's, it's lush, it's fertile, it's going to be a great place for you all to live, you'll be prosperous and multiply and, and all that kind of stuff but he says I'm not going with you he says because if I go with you these these are our stubborn stiff-necked people and they're going to annoy me time and time again with their disobedience and their doing stupid stuff and messing up over and over again and I'll probably get so frustrated that I'll wipe them out and Moses in reply you know, they're, 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 here, here's this promise, an amazing, fertile, plush homeland that all you've got to do is just go take the people there. God says, I'll send an angel to, you know, pave the path for you and move out the enemies and all that kind of stuff, go before you. But Moses says, basically to God, if, if you don't go with us, I'd rather stay here in the desert, essentially. He says, I'd rather stay here in the desert than go to this promised land if it means going without you and so much of 
that inspires me so much and I think it, it reminded me so much of that in this when I was kind of preparing this message and, and wanting to talk about this because there's this, this idea of even being in the desert where there's no food, where there's no water, um, you know, you can't make houses, whatever it says, God, if you're with us, I know that everything will be okay. If you're with us, you'll provide. And God does, doesn't he? God provides them food, he provides them water, the, the clothes don't wear out, um, you know, for 40 years. They're in the desert, but God provides for them. And so much of that, there, there are times when I just want to say, you know, we, at times I think we'd probably just choose the promised land, wouldn't we? <laughs> but God says, it's, it's better if you stay with me. Even in the desert, it's better to be with God. He's got everything that we need for this journey, even if it's difficult. There's a story in, in Mark's Gospel that I've been reflecting on and it's probably a story that many of you are familiar with. But Jesus had been preaching to the crowds and it says in Mark 4, 35, it says, As evening, evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So you have the disciples in the boat, the boat's sinking, it's filling up with water, in the middle of this rager of a storm. And I don't know about you, but I, I can't help feeling like the disciples must have been wondering, Jesus, if... like. You're this amazing, like, prophet of God. Didn't you know that there was going to be this storm coming? Why didn't, why didn't Jesus just warn them to stay on the shore or go find a nice uh, house to cozy up by the fire in out of the, out of the wind and out of the rain? We read on it. says, the disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. They thought they were terrified before he calmed the storm. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Did the storm catch Jesus by surprise? No. <laughs> but if Jesus had just warned them that there was a storm coming, said, hey, go, guys, there's a storm coming, they would have said, wow, how does he know that? But it wouldn't have been the same demonstration, would it? They would have missed out on seeing this power of Jesus on display in such an incredible way that they were actually terrified of Jesus in that moment. To say that this experience of being in the boat, fearing they were going to drown and then Jesus just calming the storm, to say that it affected them profoundly, I think, is an understatement. I think that would have been a memory that would stay with you for life, wouldn't it? 
When you experience something dramatic and miraculous and just the power of God on display, it sticks with you, doesn't it? You remember those things. I, I um, still remember a t- one of the very few memories I have of, of being about five or six years old is um, I, I went to a... My hearing was struggling a little bit and um, parents took me to a, an ENT specialist and... She said, oh, you know, waxy build up and you need to have the grommets and stuff. And so I'm like, okay, they were, you know, planning to have the procedure to insert the grommets in my ears and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I went to church that Sunday and there was a visiting preacher, no idea who he was, don't remember that at all. But I remember just going out for prayer and believing that God was going to heal me. Went back to the doctor a couple of days later we don't need to do this procedure anymore. You know, I got just, just like that. And that, that sticks with me. That was something that was miraculous. There was no real explanation. Nothing out of the ordinary happened to cure that thing. We weren't trialling other remedies or any of that stuff. It was just, I got prayed for, went back to the doctor, like, ah, it's fixed. I wonder decisions we might make differently if we knew how they were going to work out in the end I wonder do you think the disciples regretted going out in that storm afterwards I don't think they did I don't think they regretted it one bit I mean maybe they were regretting it in the middle of the storm but by the time they got back to shore I'm pretty sure that they were glad they were on that boat in that moment witness that incredible miracle that they could then talk about with people and I wonder sometimes how many amazing experiences with Jesus or how many miracles that I might have missed out on because I was too scared or selfish or whatever it might have been at the time to follow where Jesus was leading me because it looked difficult because it looked dangerous because it looked hard the Bible is full of stories of people who experienced God's miracle working power because they stayed true to what God had called them to do. The book of Daniel, we read about Daniel. You know, he had this habit of praying to God with his window open where people could see three times a day until the king made it illegal to pray to God. I don't know about you, but if I was Daniel, I might have prayed with my window closed that day. <laughs> I, could have, I could have justified that compromise, I think. I'm still praying, God, I just closed the window. But Daniel followed that call to be a light to the people around him. He got thrown into the den to be eaten by lions whatever that looked like, and God saved him. We read in that same book about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were threatened if they didn't bow down to the the big statue of the king when the music played and and worship it, they'd be thrown into, they'd they'd be basically burned, thrown into uh, the fiery furnace. And they said, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, This is the road that we're called to walk. We will be faithful to the God that we believe in. David and Goliath, 
You know, that, the very famous story, you know, what if David had looked at Goliath and thought, oh, maybe you should have picked someone else, God. He's just this young teenager, but he followed where God had led him. The story of Gideon, you know the story of Gideon? There's this massive army, probably, they, they, I think there's some estimates, I was reading this story, some estimates of around 135,000 people in this army that was attacking Israel. And God sends Gideon out with 300 blokes. Talk about a hard road. <laughs> but as Gideon obeys and as he goes through, you know, the, these 300 blokes, they don't even have to lift a sword. The army starts attacking each other. And God just works an incredible miracle. And not only that, but the 300 blokes then go chasing after him. <laughs> There's faith for you. The road might be hard, but if Jesus is leading, there is always good that will come out of it. It might not be what we think. It might not even be in this life. <laughs> but God will always work things together for good and there is always, ultimately, victory in the end when our faith is with Jesus. When Jesus called us to follow him, Essentially, it was, it was not a call to obey the law. It was not a call to follow rules. It was a call to follow him, to walk his path, to, to walk in relationship with him, which is what God had intended for us from the very beginning. To walk with him in relationship, to know him as Emmanuel, God with us, the God who is near, not a God who is far away but a God who walks alongside us, a God who is for us, a God who is with us when we walk through the dark valleys. It's a call to live His way, to follow the path that He's planning for us, to learn to trust Him to lead, trusting Him when it seems to us that His timing is out when it seems to us that he's just made some sort of bad judgment call. You know, like, you've got the wrong person here, God. I'm really not equipped for this. <laughs> Are you sure? But to trust him in that learning, to trust that ultimately life is better with Jesus. Even if it does mean struggle. Even if it does mean sacrifice. Even if it does mean the kids leave. <laughs> Even if it does mean, you know, hardship, trusting that the payoff will be worth it. You know, we look at the lives of elite athletes who deny themselves wonderful food like KFC and donuts because they're in training. You know, deny themselves, you know just sitting on the couch and having an easy day because they go out and they put in those hard yards because they're working towards a goal there. They're following a, a dream, a vision of the, 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 uh, the reward at the end. Paul describes that situation, doesn't he? He talks about, uh, you know, I, 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 I train my body like an elite athlete. I train my spirit like an athlete trains their body. 
We read a couple, uh, was it last week when we did, no, two weeks ago, when we read some of Romans together, if you were here that day. And one of the verses in Romans 8 that uh, we read that day and actually came up mm, yesterday or the day before that on my Facebook reminders thing that I shared this verse like six years ago or something. I'm like, okay, thanks God. Um, It says this, it says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. And the disciples went to Jesus and said, God, what, you know, we've given up so much for you. And Jesus says, you'll be rewarded for every sacrifice that you've made in my name. Everything that you've done for me, it's not wasted. It's not unseen. It doesn't go by without God acknowledging that. And we, part of this is, you know, as we follow Jesus, that we know that and we trust that the destination that he is leading to, leading us to, is worth the pain along the way. It's worth the sacrifice along the way. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you can relate to that, if you can relate to tough circumstances, if you can relate to challenges, if you can relate to um, feeling like things aren't necessarily going well right now, I want to pray for you, I want to encourage you um, to stick with Jesus. Don't, don't withdraw, don't, don't pull away. Trust that He'll be with you and that He will work things together for your good. Trust that He can provide for you. Trust that He can bring joy and peace as you draw near to Him in the midst of difficult circumstances. Can we pray together as, as we close? Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you promise that you will always be with us. Father, we thank you that you see us. We thank you that you have an amazing plan for our lives, a plan for good, and a plan to bring us to a place where we experience joy and peace with you. Father, I pray for those this morning who are struggling, who are going through difficult circumstances when it seems like maybe things are out of control. It seems like maybe you're far away. Lord, I pray that each person would know the joy of the presence of Jesus in their life. I pray that they would know what it is to know that you are close. Pray that their faith would grow as they put their trust in you, as they make a choice to let you lead and to follow whatever path it might be. And I pray that they would know that we would all know the amazing hope that walking with Jesus brings. That one day we will be with you forever and there will be no more pain and no more suffering and we will be with you in your presence forever. Amen.